folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here as always. And joining me on the show, he is the lead voice for Stampede Blue, Zach Hicks. What is up, Zach? Doing all right. Uh, you know, obviously it could be better after week one, but, you know, you and I were just kind of talking before this. Uh, it, for both of us, it could be much better after week one. Are you a roller coaster guy? Because me, I feel like I'm very much the sort of dead inside. I'm here for the show, you know, that kind of thing. I'm always interested in no matter what way it goes. If the Vikings win by 30 points, like, all right, let's dive into what happened. If they get killed and have a terrible defensive performance, okay, let's find out why and let's talk about it. But it seems like you're a little more on the side of uh, following the ups and downs. I will say for content-wise, like, you know, a lot of my stuff is, is writing. A lot of it is the film-related stuff. People are way more interested when the team's winning. So I always like, you know, the interaction and the content with that. But, you know, I, I'm kind of dead on the inside as well is kind of where it comes <laughs> with. And, you know, you and I were talking right before this. I, I grew up a Washington fan, and I think, you know, I grew up watching them for, what, 16 years or something like that, watching every game. And you kind of just lose – being excited about football when you watch a team like that for so long. I mean, <laughs> yes. three playoff appearances in my lifetime. So, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of – either way, Sunday doesn't really affect me too much, like, on the fandom level. But I'd prefer to see the team I cover win. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't really affect me too much, you know. The way that I look at it is, especially for the, the fans, Vikings fans, who have seen so many great teams come just short – That would be the fun part of it for me is that all these people who have dedicated their lives to this, who ride this roller coaster and who have gone through all the crazy things with this franchise, if they were to win, how much fun that would be for all of those people. Um, But yeah, on a week to week basis, I'm just looking for things that are fascinating and Mm -hmm. what we can take away and where we can move forward. And um, let me, let me ask you real quick before we get into what happened with the Colts. Cause I think a lot of us went, wait, what happened to the Colts? In, in, in week one. So we'll find out in a second. But 
Has it been hard recently to like the Colts? I mean, this is the most, I think, separated franchise from the Vikings, where Vikings fans have no reason whatsoever to know about the Indianapolis Colts. You see them every so often, but it's pretty rare. Um, I remember there was a game where Peyton Manning played horribly, and they still beat the Vikings on a field goal or something years ago. But, I mean, this is there is there is no disdain. There's no hatred. There's no rivalry here, really, that I can think of. Um, so I, I want to know, post Peyton Manning, has it been has it been tough to be a Colts fan? I wouldn't say tough because the Andrew Luck years were super fun. I mean, obviously early on with with Ryan Grigson running the show and Chuck Pagano, it was really really frustrating. You know, they never put any effort into building an offensive line for him. They were rolling out you know a hundred year old Andre Johnson and and all these guys out there for him. Uh, but 2018 was super super exciting. That was. That was a lot of fun, especially, you know, they started the year two and five. They went on that huge win streak, uh, and obviously it ended poorly against Kansas City. But I would say probably the hype going into the next season before his awful retirement, which was uh, just, you know, heartbreaking for every Colts fan. I think it was more heartbreaking even than than Peyton Manning leaving the team uh, just because it was so sudden. I think that was really the part where we've kind of been on this, like, decline the last two years. And it sucks, you know, because this team is really good. You know, they got a lot of guys who are marketable. They got guys like Darius Leonard, uh, who's one of the best in the league the last two seasons at the linebacker position. Quentin Nelson is, you know, on pace for a Hall of Fame career already. Uh, and they have a lot of good players and stuff. Phillip Rivers is also a fun player to root for when he's coming in here. So it, it does suck, you know, that, that I think that sudden retirement of Andrew Luck, though, like these last two years we've seen such a decline because last year was just so – so boring on offense and even though we're going to be more fun this year I think on offense it still isn't Andrew Luck and it was so sudden and it was just taken away from us that it definitely has dropped a little bit but you know I think the Andrew Luck era was really fun uh, very frustrating a lot of injuries uh, to, to such a good player and, and it ended in such a horrible note but uh, personally for me, you know, just watching it, I, I thought the Andrew Luck era was super fun for the Colts. Okay, so let me make my case that it's been tough because with the Vikings, they have not had a true franchise quarterback yeah. since Fran Tarkenton, and it's mm-hmm. wild that a franchise could go this long without having a real true franchise quarterback aside for a few moments of Dante Culpepper, the very early makings of that with Teddy Bridgewater. And then I don't know what to call this Kirk Cousins thing quite yet. I mean, he is their franchise quarterback, but when only about half the fan base is really on board with extending him or less than half of the fan base, I I don't want to call him like a Fran Tarkington type of figure for this franchise, which is what you had with Andrew Luck. But to Mm -hmm. not come away with a Super Bowl appearance when you have someone who's a generational talent who then finally gets people in charge that have a clue of what they're doing and then has to retire because of a bunch of injuries that were kind of caused by the previous people in charge in a lot of ways. I guess that to me would be tough. I know that Vikings fans would say, hey, you got a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, so you can't really complain. But even then, I, I would counter with, you got one with so many times that you were close and then you see the like ghoulish version of Manning win with another team that that is even a little bit tough too. So any team with a Super Bowl, Vikings fans could go, Hey, come on, they've got one. Yeah. But, but I think that like having those great things not fully pay off is a little bit rough. Yeah. You know, I grew up a, you know, talking about other sports here. I grew up a Washington Capitals fan, right? And I don't know how much you guys are in Minnesota. So you guys probably all know. Oh yeah. About know all about stuff. it. Yep. Yeah. Tons about hockey. 
every single year, the Caps were the best team in the league. You know, every single year, best regular season team. OB was scoring 70 goals. You know, just it was outstanding, winning every single year. Couldn't get past the second round. And I feel like that's kind of where you guys are. Obviously, you don't have a superstar. Excuse me. You guys don't have a superstar player like Alex Ovechkin that's been there the whole time. But you guys have always been so close with everybody. You know, Adrian Peterson, Brett Favre was just on the doorstep uh, the year that, you know, the Saints went in and beat the Colts. But uh, just so close so long. I will tell you, though, when you get that one, and that this is why I, it's hard for me to feel really for Colts fans at times because they got the one. When you get that one, it makes it so much easier. You know, the Caps got their one like two years ago, and every time they're losing the playoffs, and then I'm just like, eh, whatever. I saw the one. Like, you know, so when, when you get that one, and I think eventually it will come for the Vikings. Uh, just you've been so close for so long. Um Obviously, you know how to build a team. It's been really confident for a long time. Just got to luck into that franchise, you know, superstar quarterback or at least, you know, a top-tier quarterback, and I think you guys will be good. But when it comes, I mean, when you get that one, I kind of agree with Vikings fans. You know, when you get that one, nothing else really matters. And even when you get to, you know, you get to watch a couple as well because they got they went to the Saints one, even though that was a heartbreaking one right. too. Uh, so just seeing them in the championship a couple times, winning one, being in AFC championship games all the time, I, I don't feel too bad for Colts fans on that department. Obviously you want to see more with Andrew Luck, but Vikings fans, you know, I, I get it. You know, if when you see other franchises that are complaining, but they have that one, it does feel so much better when you have that one. So I agree. It is funny that um, we were having a conversation maybe a couple of years ago when Kirk Cousins signed, like what makes the Kirk Cousins era a success? And I remember saying, like, hey, I mean, if they get a Super Bowl appearance out of it and other fans coming back, like, no, they have to win the Super Bowl. And there we are with only a one playoff win in the last two years, which yeah. I don't think is exactly what they were looking for when they signed him with the team that they had. So now it's a team in transition, mm-hmm. but the Colts are in a very interesting spot here because they were going for the Favre. They were going for the, let's get the washed up guy, the cowboy to have one more ride. And in week one, I see a lot of yardage and I also see in the box score the Philip Rivers interception. So I did not have a chance to watch this game. I haven't watched it back. You were complaining on Twitter. Everyone else is that the coach's film has not been published yet, um, which is, you know, frustrating. But, um, you know, this is this is a game that I, I haven't turned the page yet fully to like getting away from the Packers game and on to the Colts game. So Philip Rivers, Indianapolis Colts era begins with a loss to Gardner Minshew. What happened? Yeah, so essentially, you know, there's going to be a lot of box score scouting that they'll see Philip Rivers' stats and they'll see, and, and you know, they'll, they'll say it's empty yards because of the interceptions and stuff when it really isn't. You know, for the entire game, Rivers was moving the ball up and down the field. Basically, the game came down to the Colts just shooting themselves in the foot, and then their defense couldn't stop the short game of the Jaguars, which was that, – that was probably the most frustrating thing. But talking about shooting themselves in the foot, I mean, they didn't punt once the entire game, the Colts. They outgained the Jaguars by over 200 yards, like 250 yards in the game. Uh, they got stopped on a fourth and one on the five-yard line going in, and that's where one of their missed opportunities came. They missed a 30-yard field goal at one point, and then they had the two Rivers interceptions, which were – you know, one of them was a forced throw. The other was kind of just a misread in the secondary by the coaching staff, you know, alignment-wise. Uh, but it, it really was a good day for Rivers. And I think we, we, we saw so many good things because last year the Colts had just an awful, awful passing game. I mean, they were 31st in, in deep passing percentage. They were 31st in so many – 31st, 32nd in most categories when it came to passing the football. And yesterday – we saw, or Sunday, it was not, – not yesterday now, but 
on Sunday, we saw, I think, like eight or nine plays of over 15 yards, which were chunk plays for the Colts. Uh, they had none of those last year, especially in the passing game. So Rivers really moved the ball well. I mean, he was moving the ball up and down the field with ease. I mean, there was really no, you know, combatant form from the Jaguars' defense outside of the two picks, which were just forced throws, which is that Rivers' experience. You know, it's it's kind of what it is. Uh, but we were saying all offseason, when they brought Rivers in, if you expect him to be a top 10 or a top 5 quarterback and carry this team like Luck did, it's not going to be a successful marriage here. But if the running game could could keep him from not throwing the ball 50 times a game, if the defense can play well, then this this is going to work out super well. We're just going to be a good quarterback for this team. But ultimately it came down just as missed opportunities, uh, two big mistakes by Rivers outside of, you know, a great game that he had. And then the defense just couldn't stop the short game from Gardner Minshew, which is definitely an issue. Uh, I feel like they're going to definitely tighten it up this week. But uh, that was the big issue, and they didn't really adjust throughout the game. So on the Rivers point, you just sort of know that there's going to be something that happens with him to throw that interception. And the funny thing about Rivers is that if you, and I know that you can't do this, my golf game would be so much better if you said, well, if you don't count the one that went in the woods, it was a four. I mean, that's a par for me, so write that down. Maybe I do that from time to time, but you can't do that with people's careers. But the post-career from the really early days of unbelievable San Diego Chargers games is a lot of sort of 8-8, eight 9-7, and 10-6, eight, and, and six, very Kirk Cousins-y with a lot of big mistakes that cost you games, big games with huge yardage and things like that. And I think that this makes him a very fun quarterback to follow from afar because he seems like a really likable person. But at the same time, I just thought week one looked to me like when you're older now and you don't have quite the skills, that that roller coaster becomes, I guess, even more, even more fine, where those mistakes are amplified from mm-hmm. someone like Philip Rivers. Yeah, you know, honestly, as of right now, I, I'm not too, too worried. I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years with him uh, with these interceptions and, and moments like this. And I know the running gag has been the last, like, 10 years. He can't do anything in the crunch time. Uh, I know that's been a huge running gag. And even though that kind of did happen on Sunday, he did get them, I think, to the 10-yard line. And Hilton had two drops on third and fourth down, which ended the game. Uh, but for the most part, again, yeah, I, I would say because it's weird offseason and him transitioning to a new team, uh, and even with, you know, Wright being very adamant and saying that first pick that was thrown was completely on the coaching staff not aligning the receivers right, it, it's hard for me to make, like, a definitive, like, you know, Rivers going to be this the whole year with the Colts. Right. Yeah. But we have seen this. We have seen this with Rivers, and that was the biggest concern. But that that's kind of where my, my point came, where in the offseason, you know, if Rivers is throwing 25 to 35 passes a game, you know, that, that's a fine number. He's going to be good for this team, but he can't be everything. He can't be throwing the ball 46 to 50 times a game and be your Andrew Luck carrying this team every single Sunday. And that's what he had to do this past Sunday. He had to carry the team, and that's where he gets into those Rivers mistakes, where he feels like he has to carry it. And that's what we've seen these last couple of years as well. You know, when they lost so much of that talent they had in the early Chargers years, you know, they had LaDainian Tomlinson, Vincent Jackson on defense, they had Sean Merriman and all those guys that were mm-hmm. just studs. He didn't really have to do as much, but he was very efficient and very good. When he lost all that and he kind of had to carry the team a bit, that's when he started forcing things. I mean, last year I think almost all of his picks came at the end of the fourth quarters or end of the second half or end of the first half uh, just because he was forcing it, trying to make things happen. That's who he is. So if you can take that part of the game out of his hands, he can be a good quarterback. But on Sunday, just with them shooting themselves in the foot with that fourth and one that they didn't convert with the missed field goal, 
uh, with the defense just having red zone flops. Um, the big thing about the Colts defense is they're a bend, don't break defense. So perfect for a Kirk Cousins guy who's going to put up 100 yards, yes. like 1,000 yards yes. against yes. them. Yes. Yep. But the big thing that the Colts are, are is don't let you score in the red zone. That's what they've been really good at the last two years. And they just had, I think, two they had two really bad miscommunications on Sunday, which led to touchdowns, which partly I attribute to new players new and, and a short offseason and, and everything. Uh, and then one time, Millie Cooker got beat. So I, I think that they'll tighten up that red zone part of the game. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's really where it came down to. The Colts' red zone defense didn't step up. There was two times they shot themselves in the foot, and then they asked too much of Rivers. So I think we'll see improvement going forward with that. But, you know, like you said, it, it's something that you can be concerned about because we've seen this with Rivers the last couple of years. want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SOTASTIC, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. We'll get back to the conversation in just a second, but first, this football season will be very different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Yeah, it was a little weird outside U.S. Bank Stadium not to see people tailgating, but that means you've got plenty of opportunities to watch the game from home and enjoy a crazy, because you know it will be crazy, Viking season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. This passionate fan group are the ones who are the real generational talents that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. And the game between the Chargers and the Vikings last year, the Chargers are doing fine in the first half, and Rivers is rolling. He had a couple of spectacular throws where you went like, oh, yeah, put that guy in the Hall of Fame. And then gets strip sacked trying to do too much, throws mm-hmm. a couple of interceptions trying to do too much, and all of a sudden it's a blowout, and Vikings Stadium LA version was going crazy uh, there <laughs> last year. Uh, but I do want to get to the defense because it has a former Viking on it, which I noticed his PFF grade was not so hot, but you'll have to tell me about that. But first, the, let me, let's talk about these weapons because the Green Bay Packers all offseason, everyone talked about, oh, they've got no weapons, Rodgers is screwed, he's only going to be able to throw to Adams. And what he did was threw to Adams every play and was amazing. <laughs> so so uh, this group of weapons is interesting. Uh, people of Minnesota are very familiar with Jonathan Taylor because he ran the hell over the Gophers uh, last year, which seems like a lifetime ago. But everyone knows he's good at football. Uh, Mac is obviously injured. T.Y. Hilton does not look like he had the greatest game here, but Paris Campbell is now a person. So, like, what are you making of – just the group of weapons that they have around Phillip Rivers um, and, and even just, you know, your early impression of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so starting with the receivers, you know, Hilton had those two, you know, it's hard to really call them drops. Maybe I was wrong calling them drops. I mean, they were contested throws to the sideline. So, you know, it's hard to really just call them straight-up drops, but they were plays that a guy like Hilton should make. Uh, but I think when you look at this Colts receiving core, what you have is, is a lot of guys who are pretty solid to to good, you know, Paris Campbell looked really good this past weekend. He's a guy with, with his speed. We've been talking all offseason. If he ever has off-man coverage, especially against a corner who's not a top-tier corner, that, that's going to be a win almost every single time. I mean, he, he just toasted 
I think it was DJ Hayden, who was a really good slot corner last year mm-hmm. for the Jaguars, toasted DJ Hayden multiple times on Sunday. And I, I think that's going to be something they're going to look for quite a bit uh, just going forward, especially against this Viking secondary. And, uh, yeah, T.Y. Hilton, I think, is still a pretty good receiver. I think he's well above average. Uh, injuries definitely slowed some things up last year. And and uh, he had those, you know, again, those, those plays he should have made at the end of the game. But for the most part, on the outside, uh, he gave C.J. Henderson some good work on the outside. And Henderson, again, just a great prospect who uh, had a really, really good game overall. Uh, but then after that, you know, you have other guys who are just really solid. Michael Pittman Jr. didn't get much run, but he's just a really solid possession guy. Zach Paschal led the team in receiving last year. Uh, another really solid possession guy. So I think unlike the Packers, it's not going to be just throw the ball to Devontae Adams every single play. It's going to be kind of a more spread out attack. I think Rivers completed a pass to 12 different players on Sunday. So it's just going to be really shelling the ball out to a lot of guys. Uh, and then going to Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor didn't run the ball super well in week one. And that was mostly because the Colts interior run blocking was just not outstanding, which was the, probably the biggest shock of the entire game. Uh, but every time they got the ball to Taylor in space, he was just lightning, like so fast, so strong, so powerful. And it felt like every time he touched that ball, like in space on the, near the sideline, it was like zero to a hundred. I mean, he was so quick out of his, out of his just explosive. Like it was insane to see because uh, he's so big and it's crazy to see a guy move like that, which you guys know, you know, big 10, you guys are watching the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Uh, so I think the Colts are, you know, with him being the number one running back now, they're going to really get him on the outside a little bit more. They're going to mix in some things with him, get him on some more screens and such. And we're really going to see him kind of be the workhorse going forward. And I'm excited. I hope, you know, I hope this week is, is his big breakout game and his game where he kind of establishes himself to the to football world. But uh, we'll see. They're going to be really unique with him and, and really take advantage of, you know, his ability. Other question about the weapons. Is Eric Swoop still there? No, Eric Swoop is not still there. No, but they, they have uh, tight ends. They have Jack Doyle, who had 70 yards, I believe, last week. And you know, you know why I'm asking, right, about Eric Swoop? Are, are you remembering at all the Eric Swoop game against the Vikings? Where, I mean, he's the most random tight end, right? He's supposed to be one of those, oh, this guy ran a 4-6 or something at the Combine, and he's athletic. But he had a pretty, you know, uninteresting un, uh, career. But yeah. against the Vikings in a 34-6 blowout in 2016, he caught three passes for 50 yards, including an amazing touchdown. And forever, in my mind, that became the Eric Swoop game. Like, we're, we're recording. I mean, it's a podcast, but I can see you. And your face, when I said Eric Swoop, you're like, why are you asking about Eric Swoop? That's why. 2016, the Eric Swoop game. So what happened with Eric Swoop is he was on the 2018 roster for about four or five games, I think, and he had like four touchdowns. <laughs> and then they cut him. Uh, they, they they cut him for more of a blocking tight end, I believe. Yeah. And he's been claimed a couple times since then. He played a little bit with the Raiders. Uh, he actually got signed by the Niners this offseason, but I think his knees are just completely shot now. So you won't have any Eric Swoop games, you know, from actual Eric Swoop anymore against the Vikings. But, yeah, that's great. I didn't even remember that. I, yeah. I, know, I, I like that how you a, went right into the, like, Jack Doyle's still around. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. But in this game, that game in particular, the uh, Colts forced the Vikings to put three linebackers on the field and with two tight ends and just lit them up with freaking Eric Swoop. So uh, that, was, that was the Andrew Luck experience, though. He would just yeah. turn nobodies into – I mean, who was it? Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen were – like one of the best tight end duos in the NFL for a time. And then once they both left Indy, they were both out of the league within like two years. 
Like, that was just the Andrew Luck experience. I mean, look at Eric Ebron. I mean, yeah. he was a superstar yep. for a year, for one year, yep. and then back to being Eric Ebron. There's a part of me that thinks somewhere – uh, Andrew Luck at 38 years old comes back and plays for the Vikings because he just has to like every old quarterback coming out of retirement or about to retire has to play for the Vikings. So maybe someday that will happen and they can bring in Eric swoop uh, <laughs> on the, on the defensive side though. I mean, you broke it down pretty good with just Ben don't break. And the reason that that doesn't really match up great with the Vikings who, if you give them space to move the ball, they've got great playmakers. And then in the red zone, Rudolph is one of the best. Delvin Cook is one of the best. That's going to be problematic. But what everyone wants to know is, does Xavier Rhodes look like he could still play football? Because he sure as hell didn't here last year. Yeah, so Xavier Rhodes was a guy, when, when the Colts signed him, I was hesitant about, to say the best. You know, he, I think he had a couple decent moments last year, but for the most part, it was bad. And especially anytime he was putting man coverage for you guys, like especially off-man. Off-man, I mean, Corlin Sutton, Darius Slayton, there were a couple really bad moments where he just got toasted uh, for you guys. And I was hoping, you know, with the Colts more zone heavy scheme, it could, it could really help him. Uh, I think for the most part, he played okay in week one. I know pro football focus is really harsh on, on some things, but you know, his, his physicality and his run defense are always things that have been good for yeah. him. And, and he yeah. looked really good in that department. Looked like a safety feeling at times, but he had two huge mistakes that really hurt the Colts. And that was kind of the story of last year with you guys too, was, you know, he, when he would just have a couple of really, really bad plays a game and that would just kill your team. And uh, one of them was on a pass interference that was like a 40 yard. Always. You, you could just hear every Vikings fan going, of course it is. Yep. Yep. It was, it wasn't even anyone that he actually had really good position on it too. He just didn't turn his head and grabbed Keelan Cole. Like it wasn't even like it was DJ Chark or anything. It was Keelan Cole. Uh, which, which, yeah, it, it was a bad play. And the second one was even worse, where it was off-man coverage in the red zone. Uh, the, everyone else played the assignment correctly, but the, the Jaguars did a play action. And it was a typical play action. You know, it was a, a post over the top on the right side. It was a crosser on the left side. And Rhodes bit on the play action, took two steps forward, and that gave Keelan Cole, like, 15 yards of space on him and he just was able to walk into the end zone this so, all sounds so familiar yeah and it was it was a lot of stuff that I saw last year when watching your guys film and the thing is I think it, again overall it was an okay day it wasn't anything special obviously but those two mistakes were huge and and again like like I told you the, the red zone defense is so big for the Colts like that is they're supposed to be their bread and butter don't let them score in the red zone you can't have a mental mistake as a corner playing the run like why in man coverage are you playing the run as a cornerback there, there's no reason for it uh, and and that led to just an easy touchdown that ended up being the game winning touchdown too so yeah I, I have higher hopes for Rhodes going forward I think he can be okay for this team but can he, he I mean like he's ugh, so bad dude they're corner see Rocky Sin's fine Rocky Sin's solid he, he's very solid. Had a good end of last year, I think, for the most part on Sunday. He was pretty solid. Uh, but Marvell Tell, when he opted out, they lost so much depth, and they lost a promising young player. And now they're just rolling out T.J. Carey and Xavier Rhodes, which is rough. It um, seems like a game to me that has – 35 to 31 written all over it because yeah. I don't have a ton of confidence that in one week 
Mike Zimmer snaps his fingers and all of a sudden the Vikings young cornerbacks know everything about playing football in the NFL versus future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I don't think that they'll be much better at stopping T.Y. Hilton than they were at Devontae Adams. They're not quite the same, but still top-tier wide receivers. And I also think that the one thing we didn't talk about a lot because Aaron Rodgers just smoked the Vikings is that early in the game they were able to run the ball, and I expect that without Michael Pierce, without Linval Joseph, that teams will be able to run the ball more successfully. And we also saw, like you know, Rhodes can tackle. Like that's one thing he he could do really well. We don't know if the young corners can tackle, and they certainly didn't look like it against the Packers. So I, I'm yeah. I'm sort of like as we're having this conversation and getting in my vision what this could be. That's kind of how I think it ends up going. But Zach, what? What are the implications here for Indianapolis? Because this is just my outside view. If you lose this game, like, are you burning down the convention center where the combine is? Like, I mean, the the expectations, I think, were put very, very high when you bring in Rivers of a team that is strong around him. You start 0-2, I I think the people in Indy are going to be pretty upset. Yeah, no, the expectations were were pretty high. Uh, You know, and I think for these, for pretty good reason, I'm not going to say that they should be like a Super Bowl contender or anything like that, but they should definitely be a playoff contender. And I don't know if you saw the stat that was going around Twitter today, but I think only 6% of teams who start 0-2 end up making the playoffs, uh, which is statistically, I think, this is like since 2009, so statistically that's like one team a year. Uh, So essentially this game is an elimination game (laughs) for the Vikings and Colts if you're going by statistics. Uh, So, yeah, it's a huge game. It it really is, And, and especially because, they're one of the few teams that are going to have fans. You know, the Colts are going to have fans there on Sunday. And it's their first home game of the year. Again, big expectations for this team against the Vikings team who didn't have a first a good first week at all. So, yeah, I think – I mean, I'm not going to go as far as saying they burn everything down, but fans are going to be – I mean, fans were upset after week one loss to a, you know, quote-unquote tanking team. And if anyone's listening, tanking in the NFL doesn't exist. But it really doesn't. Front offices have the mindset of tanking, but yeah. – players don't tank right like yeah not, it's sure. not like basketball where they can kind of I got the same tweets though about like trying tank for Trevor like the yeah. Vikings are not gonna lose 14 games okay that's just probably yeah. not gonna happen Jets uh, are gonna lose 14 games but the Vikings that's very yeah I, I'm giving Adam Gase about two more weeks but um to your point though that number will change with seven playoff teams so yeah, this is not quite as dramatic for the loser but it just seems like if there's early panic from the Colts side, I think that there would be more there than there would be in Minnesota because the Vikings drafted so many players this year and they are going through a transition that I think people went in with a little hesitancy of or whether this team could win the division. And if they go six and 10, you still look at 2021 as, okay, well, that's where it could all come together. Hunter, healthy, Pierce back, and so forth. All the, you know, Jefferson going into his second year. You can already project out. With the Colts, if you fall apart this year, it's like, then what? Yeah, it, it's a lot of like, for instance, 2018 was supposed to be year one of a rebuild. Like getting luck healthy, getting them going. And they completely exceeded expectations by making the playoffs and even winning a playoff game against the Texans. Uh, so they were kind of on that high. And then expectations had to drop super low when Andrew Luck retired. And that, that was super unfortunate. So they had you kind of had to start from the ground up again. And then going from last year, you had a lot of, you know, good things happen within a bad year. And going to this year, you upgrade the one big, huge weakness on your team, which was quarterback. 
and you have all these – you get an all-pro like DeForest Buckner in here, and, and your expectations should be we are a playoff team, which they should be. Uh, the one thing that I will add uh, to saying that, at least me as someone who doesn't tend to overreact too much, just because, again, I, I'm not – I don't really feel like I, I fall into that fandom craze that, that most people do, is with this crazy offseason, you know, going to a new quarterback, going to – uh, I think two new defensive linemen, uh, two new guys in the secondary as well, rookies coming in. I just think it's really tough, you know, for – even though the Colts had some of the most carryover from last year's roster to this year, just there are some changes that – some things are just going to happen that are just crazy with, with the, how everything went this offseason. Uh, so it's hard for me to over overreact, but, you know, th- this is the year that they should be competing for a playoff spot. Like last year they really weren't competing too much for a playoff spot. Even though they finished seven and nine, they were eliminated in like week thirteen, I think, or week twelve. This is the year that they have to really compete for that playoff spot, like be there in that last week or or make that seventh playoff spot even. Uh, so yeah, if they don't get to that this year, it, it definitely is like a where do we go next? You know, is this on the GM? Is this on the head coach? Is this on some of the young players that we brought in and we have to extend here in the next couple of years? So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not make or break this season, I don't think, but it's definitely kind of close to that for the Colts, more so than it is for the Vikings. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good point um, about, you know, you build rosters and you sort of have timelines when you don't have Patrick Mahomes. And so you look at it as kind of where are we, where the Vikings, you get to kind of the end of one and then go on to the next one. That was sort of where you were at 2018. You go on to the, the next one and then you see the upward trajectory and this is where you should be hitting your peak. And if that doesn't happen, that's pretty concerning. I also go back and forth. Tell me your opinion on this. Like, I I think that a lot of teams that lost showed a little bit of the no off season, but yeah. I also don't know how much I want to attribute to that. Like Tampa Bay, there were a couple miscommunications. They end up losing to the Saints. The same thing might be said for the Colts. The Vikings had continuity on their offensive side, but not so much on their defensive side. Yeah. But I also don't want to. I, I joked with you um, earlier today when we were talking. Like, no excuses, it's football, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's always that part of me that I don't think that fans love to hear excuses, but there's also context. And I'm kind of deciding, like, what percentage do I want to give to? No, actually, you were just bad, and you deserve that. <laughs> but, and then the other side of, well, okay, but you do have this kind of thing built in. Here's the thing that I always like to tell people. You know, there, there, there's con- there's excuses, and then there's reasoning. There, yeah, there's right. reasons for things, and then there's excuses. Like, you can – you know, if you have like six weeks of the same thing and you're still making excuses, yeah, that's excuses. But week one, week one is always insane. Like the Colts haven't yeah. won a week one game since 2013 or 2014. <laughs> really? And Andrew Luck for almost all of that. You know, yeah. Andrew Luck for all, almost all of that. And for the most part, they've gone against teams who haven't had winning records after the season. You know, they went against the Bengals in 2018 and lost to them with Andrew Luck. Uh, last year, they lost to the Chargers who went like 4-12. and 12. So – Week one is always crazy with this kind of stuff, and I think we just saw so many, you know, again, with this horrible lawsuit, with just so much with miscommunications and, yep. and turnovers and just bad decision-making from coaches that just aren't in that, that groove yet. That, yeah, I think you have to attribute some of it to just how everything's kind of been. And also just week one craziness. Week right, one, right. Like, like I said, week one is always kind of insane uh, every single year, let alone this year. But, you know, the way I see it, again, is just excuses are – if you're still making the same kind of reasoning for something week after week, even though nothing's changing. And then reasoning is, you know, if it happens in a one week thing, 
and that's why something happened. That's the reason for it. You know, it's like there are reasons why things happen. Not everything is excuse like, oh, Philip Rivers sucked because he threw two picks. Well, he was throwing the ball more than what he should have. You know, like there's there's reasons for it. Now, if he's still doing this into week six and seven, then I'm probably just making an excuse. If he has, you know, 12 picks into week six, then, yeah, then that's probably just an excuse I'm making at that point. But week one – it's really just the reason why it happened as of right now, you know, so it, it, you just kind of have to look at it. I think from that, just kind of be that impartial type of, of way about it. Get back to the conversation just a second, but even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts at all. Plus, Indeed provides you with powerful tools to make your search even easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, and with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates that you will see fast try indeed with free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer anytime available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer valid through September 30th okay a couple of fun Indianapolis slash Indianapolis Colts related questions here for you before we wrap up if I were to ask you your favorite quarterback not named Peyton Manning Andrew Luck, or Johnny Unitas to play for the Colts, whom would you pick? Oh, man. It's a fun list. I, I can give you some uh, potential you know, here. If you know you who it might have to them. be and for Colts fans? I think most Colts fans would almost kind of agree with this. Is Curtis Painter got them Andrew Luck? <laughs> that is a great answer. That is an A-plus answer. Great work. Like, and probably the least favorite would be uh, Dan Orlovsky because he won them two out of the three starts that late that year. That's right? Or was it Kerry Collins? Was it? Man, it was one of the. Uh, Kerry Collins and and Orlovsky. I'm looking this up right now. I have. Uh, Orlovsky Orlovsky went two and three as a Colts starter and um, went to the wire against the Patriots too that year. Amazing. So he almost cost them Andrew Luck, but Curtis Painter was <laughs> clutched down the stretch and he got <laughs> clutched down the stretch. You know, the Vikings were in that conversation at one point as well that year. Uh, I say, well, of course you've got your Jim Harbaugh, and he had one great year as a Colt, looked like a franchise quarterback. But if it's not Jeff George's mullet, that is the best quarterback not named Unitas Luck or Manning. It's Jeff George's hair. He had a John Elway, though. Oh, that's a that's a great answer too. John Elway is a great answer. He definitely got championships. Just not for that team. Um, Jeff George, as a Viking, won a bunch of games throwing to Randy Moss. But as a Colt, went 14-35. and 35. More interceptions than touchdowns. Man, and one of the great arms of all time. Like, he was Josh Allen before we knew Josh Allen. Like, a oh, guy yeah. who could just throw it through a wall. But, you know, who, knows, who knew what he was doing back there? Uh, if you had to pick one running back who is a former Colt, to play in the Super Bowl, would it be Edron James or Marshall Falk? Ooh, 
Do I get Edge when he's like healthy and young? Yeah, you get the the oh. peak version of both of them. Man, I don't. I might go Edge just because when he was young, man. Oh my gosh, he was he was unstoppable, man. Like he, if it weren't for injuries, I mean, we'd be talking about one of the best backs of all time, I think. Uh, but those injuries piled up early. Uh, but, you know, we can't go wrong with either of these guys. But I would want to see Edge, especially because he never. Well, did he? Did he win one? No, I don't think he won one. No, no, he was yeah, gone, he and, and it was, was the guys who should have won the MVP of the Super Bowl. It was uh, the two Dye, running backs there, right? Rhodes, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Diane Rhodes, yeah. So, yeah, definitely want to see Edge in the Super Bowl just so he can have a chance of winning one. Also, he was he was so good early on in his career. I want to see that. I would say that Falk was so dynamic in the receiving game that there are few players ever like that. That probably brings you a little more value, but – you're right. You can't. You can't go wrong. I was just looking up all-time Colts leaders in approximate value, and Edron James, even though he had a classic sort of running back decline, is still top ten. So yeah. a very impressive career. Uh, last question is: Do you watch Parks and Rec? I have seen Parks and Rec quite a few times. Yeah. Okay. So there are lots of Colts and Indianapolis references. Who is your favorite Parks and Rec character? Ooh, it's either Andy or Ron. I think like. You can't go wrong with either. I, I love a lot of the side. The side characters are so much fun on that show, yes. though. Uh, yes. April's great. Um, yeah, they're uh, Jerry or whatever they call him throughout right. the show. Or Gary or <laughs> you know, whatever his name is, right, Larry. Yeah, I love the side <laughs> characters so much. I'd probably say Ron, though, just because I think his cutaways are hilarious when they just, you know, he throws out his libertarian views and stuff on the cutaways. <laughs> I think those are just outstanding. Um, but, yeah, it's a fun show. I really like the side characters quite a bit on that show. Yeah, uh, Ron Swanson is absolutely the correct answer, and partly because I eat like Ron Swanson. Like, breakfast food any time of the day, and uh, one of my favorite episodes is when he just wins the cooking competition by grabbing a burger from a gas station and cooking it on yeah. the grill. and uh, Just uh, tr- tremendous and lots of good Indianapolis Colts references. And Detlef Shrimp shows up, which is Detlef if you – yeah. yeah, that's right. Roy Hibbert, right. Uh, depending on whether you are Gen Z or millennial, they uh, hit both buttons for the NBA. But having grown up watching Detlef Shrimp, that was amazing to see him show up in that show. So, uh, well, Zach Hicks, this was super fun, man. I, I really enjoyed this. People should check out uh, at Stampede Blue and uh, your personal account at Zach, Z-A-C-H. You're one of those people. Hicks, too. Not correct. one of those. Not a Z A C. Not a not a Z A C K. Z A C H. So the correct ones. The correct ones. Check check out his his stuff there if you are pregame prepping for Vikings Colts. Oh, you know what I should do because this is a podcast preparing for a game is I should ask you who you think is going to win. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I'll go kind of with the score that you said off the top here. Well, I'll go with I'll say thirty four thirty one. Just change it up a little bit, but I'll say the Colts come away with this one mainly because. One, I think River's going to have a really good day against your guys' uh, young corners. I think that's the biggest thing. And the second thing would be one thing we've seen with this offensive line ever since it became this dominant offensive line is when they've had a bad game, the next week they come out kind of with like a bloodthirst. Mm. <laughs> you know, last year, <laughs> yeah. last year against the Dolphins, for instance, they got punched in the mouth by a really bad Dolphins team up front. The next week they, the Colts ran for 270 yards against the Jaguars. And Quentin Nelson had like 15 pancakes. So. <laughs> I think this Colts offensive line is going to bounce back in a huge way. Uh, River's going to get the ball out quick. I think it's going to be kind of a high-scoring game uh, because I don't really trust the Colts defense too much right now. 
uh, especially with Xavier Rhodes against the Vikings. I feel like the Vikings are going to pick on him a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the Colts offense is going to be kind of raring to go, and especially in front of that meager home crowd, but in front of the home crowd for sure. So I'm going to say 34-31 Colts. I'm picking my score, but I haven't decided who I think is going to win yet. And uh, maybe I'll – so I'll, I'll include that in a at a later date. But uh, it was great having you, man. It was super fun. I'm, I'm glad that – I just reached out to you kind of at random, and I'm really glad we did that and that we, you know, follow each other now. So then, like, eight years from now, when the Vikings and Colts play again, we'll be able to do it. But, yeah, uh, it, it, just from what I've seen, looks like you do great stuff. So really happy to catch up with you, man, and thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, anytime uh, when the Colts play the Vikings again the next 10 years with Trevor Lawrence on both of our teams at the same time, <laughs> then we'll catch up. Or maybe we'll have, like, uh, someone's son, like Peyton Manning's son on one of our teams or something. Or like that. the Super Bowl. Uh, Let's look for eight years instead. Let, let's hope more. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible change to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships, all. All day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.